Hello, this is Michael Gallagher. And Miles Blaney. Coming to you live from the cozy confines of Floor D at Argyle House in the podcast recording studio. Wow. It's, uh, it's cozy. It is indeed cozy. Uh, we'll be talking today, uh, expanding on our conversation from the first podcast, but we'll be talking today largely about uh, bots, automation, and something that we're going to refer to as the teacher function, and we'll explain more about what that is. Uh, the concept of the teacher function is largely from a paper from Sean Bain, who's a professor at the Center for Research and Digital Education. And in a very simplistic summary, it means that uh, we're starting to view the teacher function less as a solitary human activity, but more as an assemblage of humans, code, algorithms, and student-teacher agency. So that's largely the idea that we're exploring in this project. The project itself is called Expanding the Teacher Function. So hence, I needed to introduce <laughs> what, that, what the term meant. Uh, expanding the Teacher Function and the core team of that are Miles and myself, uh, along with uh, a research associate named Marcus Breens, and we also have Marcello Crolla. Yeah, yeah. I think the word assembly should be used a lot more, by the way. I agree. I, I, like, I like it. It shouldn't just be an academic term. I oh, no way. I think I'm going to try and use that when I'm cooking stuff. Yes. Now. I have an assemblage of, of clothing and colors on mm. at this present moment. I like that. All right. So the objectives of the project is to largely expand on the original TeacherBot project, which uh, took place in 2015, uh, and it eventually uh, ran its course, and uh, publications came and emerged from it and all these different things. We wanted to pick up the project again because the technology has largely matured, at least to the point where I think we can begin to experiment with it. Yeah, and I think also it's we're seeing like bots full stop more and more available, accessible, and being used, whether that's people know they're using or not using them. And what we're finding is that that's bleeding into education now as well. That's correct. That's so, correct. Yeah, I think but, it's the teacher bot thing was... If you think about it, it's 2015? 2015, yes. You know, that's crazy to think that's four years ago now. And, I agree. And that was, you know, at that time, I don't think there's anything else. I don't think there's anything. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I know there's nothing else, you know, since that, that's really kind of touched on, on that. And there's nothing you can buy off the shelf right now that certainly not does what that does as well. That's right. So there are there is a lot of experimentation in this bot space, but not so much in the spirit of what Sean was trying to no. do in that original project. Yeah, yeah, and and there are like we've got cases of of bots being used in in institutions. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think with a couple of cases that I always kind of go to are like Bolton Ascada, which is integrated into their Moodle and integrated into like a, a virtual assistant, and so you can ask that some kind of um, questions about you know your timetable interestingly though they're they're kind of pushing things a bit more because they're trying to do like um automated assessments um using natural language classification um for people to you know they think they're writing like a paragraph and that paragraph's being reviewed uh, and being scored Mm. um by a bot uh, which is interesting um but it's they it's their virtual assistant on-campus virtual assistant, as they call it. And virtual assistants are like Beacons, University of Staffordshire Beacon Bot as well, which is a, um, it's launched, I think it was launched earlier this year in January, and it's Microsoft Bot Framework, um, and it's more of a virtual assistant as well. And that's, you know, there's quite a few cases of bots being used for the boring stuff. Yes. So By boring, you mean administrative. Yeah, stuff work. that, well, I think, it, you know, if you ask a school team or school office, 
you know, give me your, give me six percent of your questions you get asked. They'll probably give you like two questions they get asked all the time, and it's kind of silly, but it's like they get asked these repetitive questions, and it takes time for them to answer and reply to them because they want to make sure everybody has a good. Uh, customer experience. They want to make sure that um, people are up to date about what's going on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, if you have a bot that can handle all those kind of what I call boring, and people kind of laugh when I said boring initially, hmm. but it is. It's like it's dull stuff that you're replying to the same thing again and again and again. Yes, there is a. I mean, I think we want to flag up too, even with the boring bits, that there are. Uh, concerns there as well because often oh. what the students are asking isn't necessarily the thing they're asking about what the students are uh, we see this a lot I think in the online education space is that the students are often asking questions largely if to be heard contact to be, to, for contact mm. essentially so it's a proxy for contact time. Mm. so this idea that we can offload administrative function onto a bot will likely play out in some way mm. or there, there's certainly a use case in there that would be viable and still work at the same time. How do we manage some of the questions I think we're having is how do we manage contact time? Yeah. How do we make sure that's not a deficit model that students are experiencing less human contact? We we're actually in the business of trying to produce more. And if we can redesign the teacher function, this broader teacher function around some of that, technology, then perhaps it's worth well, it. And it's an interesting point to say we're trying to, you know, I think it's, no, learning is a personal thing. Everybody mm. learns differently. There's mm. no definitely no argument about that. And and you know, one of the things about um bots is we're just it's you know, bots are I think people kinda get freaked out by bots because they think about the technology and the word AI comes in and people kinda go, oh, it must be like wizards and witches in a box right. that do stuff and and it's not like that. Bots are pre programmed knowledge bases. I think I was talking to um, one of my colleagues, Neil Allison, and he was telling me that, you know, it's just a very jazzy FAQ database. That's correct. And I was like, yeah, but it's more intuitive now, and it's getting smarter and faster and better what it can do. That's right. And I think the point you're raising there about that contact time as well, and I was stressed that, you know, okay, we can answer all these boring questions as well, but what is a boring question to somebody? And That's that right. And that kind of, you know, where... Where do we kind of expectations, exper user experience want a bit more? That's right. And, and that's, you know, and I know we're still keeping in the boring field. You talk about like, um, okay, so when is, what's the office hours, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe yeah, I think um, a point that, you know, Anne-Marie has talked about a few times in sessions that we've had is, you know, people might want to talk to because they feel more comfortable talking to it and asking certain questions of it as well. That's so right. like, you know, um, the questions about can I speak to a counsellor? Maybe I'm a bit stressed. Yes. Um, you there know. are conversations you would want to keep private. Necessarily, oh. you wouldn't necessarily want to broadcast to a discussion board <laughs> or to a broader audience <laughs> yeah. in a classroom scenario. Oh yeah. You mentioned uh, Anne Marie. Can you introduce who that is? Yeah. So uh, it's Anne Marie Squ Scott, who is the deputy director of uh, Learning Teaching Web and head of DLAM. Um, and Anne Marie is, um, yeah, she's. She's my boss. She's, okay. She's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, technically, Sean's not my boss, but I kind of refer to her as... Yeah, so no, it's a similar scenario. definitely my boss. Yeah. So, yeah. So if that's, I don't, a, that's a legitimate yeah, boss relationship. If I don't say that here, she'd probably kill me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're moving... We're, we're, this is the initial start of what this project was about. So we're looking at administrative functions, things that could be conceivably... Uh, dialogues or conversations or exchanges that could be conceivably handled in that sort of automated mm. uh, space. But 
uh, in the spirit of the original project, the TeacherBot project, we wanted to explore a little bit as well about what uh, relationships, what's, uh, what teaching practices could be stimulated through the insertion of an automated agent. And that's the fun stuff. That's the fun stuff. That's the wildly speculative stuff. That is also the ethically problematic stuff. <laughs> uh, it's it's a very contentious space. Oh, and yeah. I think what you had referred to, uh, alluded to earlier, it was important, is that automation, perhaps more, more so than any technology we're working with, conjures this idea of... Uh, conjures certain notions about what this technology does and is. It's mm. uh, and it can get rather dystopian very quickly. It's this idea that it's replacing uh, work, it's replacing labor, and in some cases it is. Not necessarily in higher education, but in some cases it actually is in other fields and other walks of life. Uh, is this idea it's replacing human teachers, and we're trying to program a teacher function strictly through the algorithm and the code? Yeah, there's like there's some kind of dark agency involved about replacing all these people so, and. Basically, uh, yeah, I think there's like a fear of, and, and and I completely understand it, but there's a fear of we want to clone yes. an academic into a bot. Yes. And that's just like, that's this crazy land. Yes. Because I think it's, and and to flip it the other way around, I, and it's something that I always kind of get really frustrated about is that people who present that argument, I'll say, well, if I'm paying for something and someone says to me, you can pay this amount of money and all your um, all your contact is automated via bot and you'd be like oh oh, great what am I paying for then mm. it's just I'm just asking an FAQ base that's going to generate the same stuff all the time it's not going to offer my personalised learning so what what's the value for the student what's the value for the academic what's the what where is the value and I think that's the whole you know from the work that you and, and Marcus are doing is, is trying to identify the use cases and, and get that that value that buy in yes that's not boring stuff, yes. but, you know, supplemental stuff. Yes. So. And I think, yeah, I think also, too, this gives us a second to really briefly pause and say what we're trying to avoid mm. is that we're trying to avoid, I think I'd refer to some of the literature here, but there, uh, we're trying to avoid instrumental approaches to technology use in education. Is this idea that I can insert a technology in something as significant as a bot into an educational exchange and Just think works. that it will never uh, it will never affect the structure of that exchange it would only enhance it we're only looking for efficiency measures we we categorically throw that away that whole notion that this is an instrumental insertion there might be moments where it provides you degrees of efficiency or degrees but that is not the goal this is and not it's not the goal of this project and for certain those educational practices aren't as stable as to suggest that they wouldn't change as a result of no, that insertion. No, and we've got experience already from this. But I think if you look at all the ed tech that's been inserted, like you know the the kind of theory of a a virtual learning environment, that's going to reduce this and that. And you're like, well, no, there's a whole sprap of work around sure. that that has to be done, um, and it's beneficial, but it has not replaced. You could say, okay, th- there's your content. You're like, no, it's it's just part. Of it, supplement. It, it's it's an aspect of it, and I think for bots, you know, the the automation word is something I would say. Okay, yeah, it's going to it's going to automate some boring tasks, maybe, but the augmentation, the expansion of that teacher function is is the is beneficial, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's where you can get the and that's trying to identify those use cases where we get the buy-in to say, yeah, we can augment you, we can make you. And I always go back to this kind of Iron Man suit thing of. You know, we'll put you in the suit and you just tell the suit to do stuff and it'll do it for you because mm. it can do it quicker, better and allow you more time to concentrate and more maybe t- 
technical issues or more kind of complex issues where your value is is, is increased. That's right. So I think I think so, the, the dystopian view is is kind of I think you can understand it completely. And I think yeah. right now, if you look at a lot of stuff, it's easy. I think there's articles like in the Guardian and all that. In That's the right. Last few weeks. It was will AI replace teachers? And, yeah. Or replace university lectures and these types of things. Yeah, and and all of that is legitimate. And we should also mention too that we're not really even talking about AI. No. We're not. We're not talking about bots that learn from themselves necessarily. We're not talking about algorithmic bots that have are calling on a, a data set that in constantly increases. We're not even talking about that now. We're talking about very simple, dialogue based chat. Yeah, bots, yeah, just a conversation. And it's a, a conversation. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because people think. I think there's there's certain words, certain words that make me laugh. Like I use in this space that put people off, and I think like algorithms. It's just rules. Is this, they're logic rules based on this. Just logic rules, yeah, yeah. and that's it. But I think it's another term that freaks people out. You're that's like, right. oh my god, algorithms! There must that's be right. like Minority Report kind of screens where people that's are right. munging them, and you're like, it's just if this, then that kind of rules. That's right. And it's the underlying data infrastructure that I think also would cause some trepidation, some oh, pause. Yeah. Is this idea that who has access to the data? Although this is a little bit beyond this project, but who has access to the data? how it's being used, how it's being expunged, or is it being expunged yeah. at certain points in time? Yeah. Is a GDPR compliant? All these oh. different issues that emerge around this larger data infrastructure are significant and probably the topic of another podcast. Oh, yeah. Just, you know what? I think from us sitting here half an hour ago thinking things we could do in the future, that is a podcast. That's a, a po- That's a whole series of podcasts. Oh, geez, yeah. Perfectly and, honest. And I think for that data aspect of it as well, it's, you know, there's so much of it as well. You can look at it and you kind of go... And I think that's like anybody looks at data. If you just look at a data set and you don't know what you want to ask, you can come off of all these kind of crazy things and visualizations. And it doesn't mean anything. It can be all just wrong. That's right. <laughs> you know I mean? That's it's, right. It's context. It's it's lots of other things. It's yeah. it's 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 what's the user was feeling at the time, where they were, and all that. Yeah. So I think this is important. This is a this is a good this is a good natural segue into this conversation about what this project is about, mm. because we realize the variations and the contextual elements of all of this are so profoundly bespoke to what's being done in that space that we we needed a project that empowered the participants uh, to to be able to participate in meaningful ways about what they saw to be the use cases that are most applicable. Mm. So that meant student that meant sessions with students and staff and faculty, instructional designers, mm. educational technologists, anybody who would be willing or has some say in what this teacher function could be we felt it necessary to actually speak to and to get involved in this process. It's it's an important part. I th- oh yeah, I think I think it's you know, I think what we're trying to emphasize is that it's a community driven mm-hmm. thing that we we want to say. I think I think you can you know for this it's it's a massive thing right now to say yeah bots we'll just do it this way and, and it's actually completely useless and it's actually detrimental to someone's learning experience or academics or students or whatnot. And we don't want to do that. We want to say, well, here's this technology. Is it is it a benefit to us? Yeah. Is it benefit to the community? And that's everybody. That's academics. That's students, service staff. And, and that's where we kind of say, there's not one bot to rule them all. Yes, it's that community aspect that we've we've talked about saying there'll be different kind of bots that facilitate different kinds of things. And maybe that's what we'll come out with from I this. Agree. So just to briefly go through what the project is, it's been running for, I don't know, three, maybe three or four months. 
uh, now, it's again, it's called Expanding the Teacher Function, and there's some information about the project on the Center for Research and Digital Education website. Uh, but what it largely adopts, it borrows methods largely from emerging from the Near Future Teaching Project, speculative methods, uh, creative methods. It's about crafting future uh future scenarios, future practices. And it references, it, it draws on a lot of literature and a lot of different programs coming out of the university, in, obviously including the Near Future Teaching Project. But I wanted to mention one uh, one reference in particular, and this is uh, Jen, Jen Ross, at the, again, at the center, and her work in 2017 on speculative method and digital education research. And just to read a brief quote from it, uh, which might just be from the abstract, to be perfectly honest, but uh, it says, working with the not-yetness of digital education. Mm. is this idea that some of this technology is not yet uh, robust or stable enough to be able to have uh, instrumental or in, in essential arguments around what it could be. So again, working with the not-yetness of digital education means engaging with complexity, uncertainty, and risk not as factors to be minimized or resolved, but as necessary dimensions of technologies and practices which are unknown and in flux. And mm -hmm. I think automation certainly qualifies as one of these that are in flux and largely unknown. Oh, yeah. And, and that's it. There's no, there's nothing, there's no vendor we can go out to right now and say, do you do this? Yes. Okay, we'll buy that. That's grand. There you go. Because it's a massive flux right now. And there's so much... I think if you look at it, in the pot, there's everything. There's a lot of myths. There's a bit of truths. Yes. Um, there's a lot of experimentation and, and, and stuff like that going on. So there's, it's, it's, it's fun. That's right. I, the, actually, it would be a fun separate research project altogether is to be using these technologies as a means of surfacing uh, these fears and aspirations and, mm. and doubts, all the underlying, you don't want to call it a mythology because it's more than that, but these yeah. underlying themes that are largely latent in these conversations and that's another time and that's another project. But yeah. so just to run through again what this project has done up to this point, it's building again on the TeacherBot project from 2015. We've been hosting a series of events with students and faculty and staff. Um, I think six or seven or eight maybe so far, and we're doing another six or seven or eight uh, through the remainder of this term. Uh, we'll be then going through all the use cases that have been generated as a result of these events and starting to speculate about which we might prototype yeah. and put in front of people again for another round of testing. Fun. <laughs> it should be fun. It should be fun. I mean, so far, the use cases uh, have been quite good. The way that it's structured in the events is, is a two-hour workshop. The first hour is largely around mapping what we see to be the teacher function or the teacher space. I think part of the difficulty with this conversation when we're talking about expanding the teacher function is that what is what is the teacher function as it currently exists and what space does it occupy mm. in terms and, it, and it's broad it's categorically broad it goes across assessment and feedback and direct instruction and design and all of these elements that are support mechanisms support is a big uh theme coming out of the use cases by the way um this idea that we map this larger teacher function and then the second hour we actually explore what automated uh, elements or practices or teaching insertions or teaching engagement we can uh, put into this mapped space. So it's a speculative approach. We're not actually using the technologies in the events themselves. We're just using, uh, you know, the traditional, you know, tearaway white paper. I think that's an important and, yeah. technology because I think it's, you know, having 
done similar sessions with students and, and staff as well. As soon as you, when they walk in, the trepidation is, I don't know anything about these technologies. And I've heard from my friend who lives down the road that talks to this person, that knows this person, that you can't do this. And you're like, stop thinking. Yeah. So I think we want to emphasize, and I think Miles has always emphasized, this is blue sky thinking, this is big picture stuff. We're not worried necessarily about implementation here. We want to get a sense of what... Mm. what what are the aspirations of the university community in this space and how they hope to see these things being used? But one of the joys of these is the way we do the events is that uh, when we discuss in the second hour possible insertions or possible new teaching practices or all these different things, it may or may not be a bot is the most appropriate vehicle for, for, yeah. for performing that task. Exactly. So we've identified spaces where uh, you want human insertions or you want say, some other technological bit of work to satisfy a particular practice. Yeah, and and I think it's still it's a it's you know it's great events to actually level that up and yeah. to bring that up and say, well, do you know what we can share that with you? Here's how we would suggest maybe doing that, and then that's great for everybody who attends and great for us as well because it gives us that visibility to. And I think that's that's gold because yeah. I think we're you know we're all very very busy and and I think attending these workshops is is great for actually leveling information about and trying to provide more transparency into what's available, what you could do. And I think that's, yeah, I think some of the stuff we sent through already is is really interesting. That's right. I think we could jump to the use cases and talk about, so some of the things that are actually emerging. So we have these events, and we encourage you to actually sign up for more. I mean, we have quite a few still scheduled, uh, end of September and then several in October. Well, you, you pick them on my ad as well by that's the right. booking channel. That's so, correct. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you go to my ad, you can find these via the booking channel. Yep, yep. I encourage you to come. And if you would like us to actually host a session or run another session, if you're unable to attend, we're more than happy to do that as well. So just reach out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but some of the use cases emerging here, we're talking a lot of them are predictably and usefully uh, sort of engaging with improving existing teacher function. So uh, improving what exists as the teacher practice. So we're talking about the basics of maybe improving feedback or f improving assessment or improving some sort of uh, group work activity or whatever it might be, how that might improve those existing teacher functions. Some of these about mapping new spaces uh, altogether. They might not seem like new spaces because some certain disciplines use certain th things quite regularly. But, for example, field work. Uh, this idea of having bots um, actually perform elements of field work. Uh, if you're out in the field doing data collection or on community-based projects, what role a bot could service in those in those spaces? Uh, about cohort formations, and I think this is one of the original yeah, spaces that we thought about, yeah. we thought that bots would have a function in this space. This idea that can intelligently put together groups. Yeah, and, and to tell you the truth, I think we've seen a. A startup in, in Norway called Differbot did mm -hmm. something like this that was connecting people within groups without shared common kind of questions or concerns or maybe didn't understand the subject matter as well. So they would connect them and and that, that's great. Do you know what I mean? And you know we've talked about you know what should what should a bot do? What should a bot not do? And and I know that you know we we you know a bot providing an answer to a question might be problematic because what's the point in learning anything then if someone's going to answer everything for you right. so yeah i think i think the group one is really interesting actually it's, yeah it is a fascinating one and also too what you just mentioned i think is an important point a important point about what we're trying to do with this project is that identifying the parts of the student experience and the teaching experience that are difficult 
because they're conceptually challenging or yeah. cognitively challenging oh, yeah. versus those that are difficult just because they're tacitly or implicitly challenging based on process or based on um, legacy of a particular function yeah. or administrative hurdles or whatever it might be. So we're trying to separate what is difficult about the university experience that should remain difficult yeah. because it is a challenging space <laughs> versus what's difficult because we've designed it as such. And yeah. I think we can make a distinction there. Like, idea that this bot would give an answer uh, to a question may or may not be the direction we want to go. Uh, but if we can simplify a particular aspect of the university experience, then we're, we're, we're willing to engage in those spaces. Yeah, There's quite a bit a, about the university experience, particularly for online students. And I, I, and I speak, my bias is often towards those groups, but it certainly applies to the on-campus students as well. Uh, uh, because I teach online, and I, I'm a product of the University of Edinburgh's uh, online education yeah. system as yeah. well. Yeah, and, and I think what you said, like the online, and something that we're, so the wider community involves all cohorts, how they learn, whether they're here, international, whether they're online only, whether they're blended, whether they're campus-based, it, it's trying to think about, it's all those different kind of cohorts. That's right. So that's where you say, that's why I, I, you know, maybe the virtual assistant bot would be useful for those people to find out by their timetable and, you know, when the student union has a drinks offer on or something like that. But um, for for our, the, the fun stuff, for the teaching, for the learning, it's all a bit, you know, niche. Yeah, that's right. And we suspect, I think this was always, was always our expectation with this project was that we would be running into uh, scenarios that would never be able to be generic and replicable. <sighs> there's never, as you say, there's never going to be one bot to rule them all. They're going to be largely bespoke creations. Oh yeah, and, and the example I always I would go to is if you looked at Learn and you looked at every course in Learn, they're all well before the Learn Foundations project started and uh, we did standardization. They're all different because they're all taught different, and everybody is slightly different way of learning or teaching as well. So for us to say we're going to standardize all of that it's just, that's right it's just impossible i think we're looking for patterns like i yes. think he would uh, in sort of patterns in the use cases being suggested and just some bits that could conceivably be uniform and uh tutorial preparation or these types of things maybe maybe could be rep replicable across some different disciplines but i think for the most part we're talking about yeah very bespoke applications here yeah and, and it, there's you know like i think it, i think we just found it well i found a paper there about quiz bot from stanford as well which i started to read and i haven't finished reading which is very bad of me mm -hmm. which i'll do today and seeing how they're you know they built a a chat bot that did um like casual supplemental learning mm. so it was it's trying to replace it's adaptive Yes. As well, which is fascinating, yes. which bleeds on to, you know, chatbots, bots and adaptive learning as well. I agree. Which is another. It's another one. Yeah, I think what, and I think that's being used in some, whether or not it's called a bot or automation, it's being used in some capacity in a lot of the commercial applications. You see uh, educational applications, like largely like uh, language learning. Ones. Duolingo. Duolingo is using mm -hmm. an, uh, an AI engine essentially. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So it's an adaptive learning scenario. Uh, but they're using that. I mean, that's not perhaps designed to be this way, but it's it's largely being used in isolation, away from a formal educational yep. experience. And that's how we differ a little bit with this project. That we mm. see the bot as being an addition to a larger formal educational infrastructure, uh, human teachers included, obviously. Oh, that uh, rather than learning in isolation. Oh yeah, at the core. People have to be at the core. Yeah. So we're pushing back a little bit on this. Uh, what uh, Biesta would refer to as this uh, this this uh, learnification, this idea of we're making a slight distinction here between education and learning. Uh, learning as being this uh, 
unfortunately in its negative context being this cult of the individual it's like everything is self-led and self-paced and it's about building resilience to finish and complete and all these different things we're pushing back on that a little bit too we're trying to say that there is a a role for the professional teacher that for the creative teacher in this space hence why we tend to emphasize education as opposed to just learning Uh, and one thing what we actually not talked about is actually who would create the content curate it build it and all that kind of stuff because it would be like it's no point in me building things for some course in in medics it'd be like well they'd be building the content they'd be so this is it this is even more the kind of emphasis is on the academics to to be involved with it so it's you know it's all these kind of practical things when you start scratching at that kind of a flux area. Yeah, you still see the processing. Well, yes. no, they're not going to this to replace you. That's right. You're key to everything. That's correct, and I think that's a really good point. And I think that's why we originally designed this podcast too, it was because we want to have these conversations across these what we call these teacher function spaces. Yeah. So across these instructional technologist spaces and across these uh, maybe more faculty research driven spaces, that we see this as a unit that together is starting to to build a teacher function. Because you're right, the teachers, are the, the faculty have to be able to build these things mm. and input in, into these things in yeah. meaningful ways for this to work. We recognize that. It's it's crazy. Yes. It's just like saying, here's a car. Yes. There's no mechanic. That's right. You know what I mean? There's no nothing. Just yeah. go build it. You're like, well, you need we, it, it needs people to be involved with stuff. That's correct. To, to, to build it all out. And yeah, it's, it's I think it's fascinating. But it's just an important part, and I think this is where we'll perhaps close down a bit is that we felt this need with this project and with all these projects is that we have this ongoing uh, engagement uh, of research and development uh, with this core team from Mm. learning technology in the web and from the center for research digital education. And honestly, anybody else who wants to participate is more than willing to, Oh yeah, is more than welcome to, but it's this idea that we need to have this constant cycle of experimentation and community engagement to fully understand how we're going to approach these things because otherwise we're reliant on the narratives being delivered to us by vendors by vendors and that is not something we particularly want no no because they'll paint the picture they'll paint a particular picture that we're trying to push back against yeah yeah and and it should be just this this should be it or this should be ongoing all the time this should not be a we've got a project now i've got some cash just do this it's this and i think the way we're seeing it technology evolve and how it just you know in the last five years, you think about even talking about AI yeah. in education, you'd be like, what? And now you're like, well, it's going to do this and this and this. That's right. And you're like, well, what? And what's next? That's right. So, um, you know, you want to talk about physical robots? Yeah. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. So, Absolutely yeah. right. So we so we see this as the beginning, not necessarily of a, of a term time-limited, discrete research project with the discrete oh, no, variables. It's more of an ongoing sort of collaboration. Yeah, I think it has to be. And so... So we might consider closing at that point here. So we'll have another podcast up and running, ready to go in a, in a few weeks' time. Yeah. And uh, we'll let you know when you listen to it exactly what that will be about. But uh, we'll be talking about things similar to this, teacher automation, uh, learning analytics, adaptive learning, all these technologies that we're sort of engaging with now. Um, and that I suppose that is it for now. Yeah, yeah. We'll blog. We'll blog about it and we'll post this and we actually hope that you do reach out if you want to have us schedule something or perhaps have a, a further discussion about how this might work for you. Uh, and even if you've got any comments about like what we've talked about within this, just, you know, we're going to blog, we're going to tweet, comment. Yes, please comment. Just tell us what you think because if we're talking nonsense, it's absolutely fine. That's fine. This is an, yeah, emphasize as well, this is an ongoing conversation that we're having. 
that our ideas are subject to change. Yep. And exactly. they will change over the course of this of this of this project and further projects and certainly over the course of this podcast as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and that is us for now, and we'll see you next time. This is Michael Gallagher. I'm Miles Blaney.